Who thought accounting could be cool? Here we go. Join Andrew Wolf and Brad Salmeda. Our mission, make accounting fun. Follow us as we chat with amazing guests every Friday. 11 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Mountain Time. Are you ready? Woohoo! Woohoo! My favorite part. We gotta play one more though because it's a special episode. Welcome. Welcome. Ah! Welcome. Unicorn. Unicorn. Join Hector Extended Cut. Garcia and Michael Lee. Yeah. Mission. One rule. Make accounting fun. Welcome to Friday Night Live with Accountants. Are you ready? Look who's here. Okay, hello, hello. Your show. You take it. Okay. No, we'll take just, it we'll, from here. We'll just we'll listen. Let you, yeah, we'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't prepare. I didn't prepare a speech. Oh okay. no! Wait a second. I do. I do have a speech. I do have a speech. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, so, hey, I love the new intro. That's uh, pretty cool. I have uh, the extended cut. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I like it. How's it been, man? Tell us, uh, you know, I think the last time I was on the show was probably uh, around end of March. Yeah, well, it wasn't pre-COVID. It was, I guess, right as it, things were starting. Yeah, it was, right, it was right after. And uh, for one way, shape or form, uh, decided to bestow the show upon upon Andrew and Andrew brought Brad in, which I think is a perfect uh, co-host. You oh, guys thanks, are, man. you guys are a great dynamic duo. You've, you've brought some, some practice, right? <laughs> you brought some, uh, some excellent guests. I've been enjoying watching the show from the bleachers and thank you for inviting me today. It's an honor. Well, you're always, we always want you here, man. Any night, yeah. any night, you just feel like hanging out no matter who we got on, just come on in. Yeah, you know you're welcome here anytime. Anytime. That, just crash awesome. it one time. We'll just give you the link and you can just crash it. Yeah. You this can was, plan some was, practical joke or something. This was your and Michael's baby for sure. Exactly. And and I know you guys both got uh got swamped with with you know PPP and everything that took over the US. And now I mean I'm thankful to have you back with Florida's going nuts right now with its COVID exposure and all that, which I guess maybe that's why we got you back. You're locked in your in your little uh, in your in your podcast room and can't go out. Maybe that maybe that that'll get you back for a few more weeks. That might be. I got the shirt. See, I got the shirt. I love it. I love keeping, it. Keeping it real. Yeah. So um, since then, nothing really different has happened, other than you know we we've been dealing with in the U.S. We've been dealing with um, the great polarization political polarization and people fighting about everything everything today is political yeah you know, like, whether you're yeah, a mask or not is political yeah, yeah. mass are political and um yeah it's it's it's, it's been interesting uh, uh thank god that uh business wise we've been doing well for some reason our clients 95 percent of them has have stayed and have not been greatly nice. affected by covid they've They've been dynamic enough to move and navigate the situation, change to a delivery model, to subscription model. You know, like I've I've seen it firsthand with my clients. They've been they've been adapting. Um, I would say part of it, the success has been helping people navigate all the government programs too. Believe it or not, a lot of folks just don't have any guidance. You know, and they they apply themselves and they get frustrated because they don't know how to get access to those loans or whatever. So I think accountants have proven to be uh, the unsung heroes um, uh, during during this crisis for a lot of small businesses. And I'm, I'm, pri I'm proud to be, at least I feel like I'm one of them, you know, that, that I've been helping small businesses chug along. Yeah. Nice. Have you had to pivot yourself for your business? Like, have you moved like, you know, a higher percentage to advisory now? Because obviously you had to do all that PPP stuff. You have clients, like you said, who had to pivot to recurring revenues. So have you spending a lot more time, more of your time working on advisory stuff than you normally would? I would say I'm definitely spending more time on things I wasn't planning to spend time on, right? <laughs> um, like, you know, like dealing with people that their employees left and they're in unemployment, but they don't want to come back to work because they make more money with unemployment. Yeah. You know, so I got to have- now You sound like a Republican. <laughs> well the the reality is the, the employee themselves doesn't want to come back right so yeah. it's, it's nothing to do with politics is it, now I, gotta, I have to kind of figure out how to convince my 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 client now to 
either talk the employee into, hey, it is worth it for you to work because X, Y, Z, and it's not all about the money. Or also we've, we've built this uh, uh, with PPE or, or, or protective measures or whatever. We built this uh, to allow you to work safely. But I, I mean, the long story short is some businesses just cannot uh, operate without exposing their employees in one way, shape or form. And, 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 and for me, who, who as a boss myself, because I do have employees under me, who, who tries to spell, you know, speak the word of, of building culture and having a team that reveres each other and their, their leaders, I cannot be telling someone to force someone to work when they don't feel safe to, right? So, so it's, it's been a real sort of uh, fine line for me to kind of like, you know, w- walk that tight rope, rope, trying to help my clients through this situation with the limited amount of advice that I could give. And, and in some cases, I've been successful at helping people change their mind about the way they were looking at it. And in other ways, you really can't do much about it, right? Your yeah. business has to be on pause for a while or, or part of the business needs to be on pause for a while. And it's just helping people navi- navigate that. Uh, psychologically too, right? Because it's not just about the money. Some people are in business because they really like what they do. Like they really enjoy what they do day to day. And even the ones that somehow can still make money in different ways or have enough savings to withstand, you know, this, this, uh, the gap of work, they, they do get a little bit depressed that they're not out there doing whatever is it, the thing that they do. Like a perfect example, someone that cuts hair, right? Like, Someone that cuts hair really enjoys what they do and they've been limited on how many people they can do per day. They have to wear a mask the entire time, that sort of thing, right? right? So, or the fees. I, I just got my hair cut the other day and they have so many things they have to follow in order to just open. So that's right. Well, my, I find myself now trying to convince uh, all these people that come to my house now to do services that they before. I used to go there. I'm convincing them on a business model and, and, and like trying to help them transform their business. Like the guy that cuts my hair, you know, like he's cutting my hair and I'm talking to him about setting up a subscription model where, <laughs> you know, where, where you get people to pay whatever, $25 a month and you cut their hair as many times as they want to. And then he comes back and says, well, you know, what if he wants it weekly? Well, then you have an option for weekly and make that $35 a month. But it's just getting people mm-hmm. now into the mindset that, because of this COVID crisis, uh, this automated businesses with automatic subscription automatically get delivered to your house, automatically gets replenished. Like this, all these concepts um, are now hitting mainstream. It's not just, you know, the, uh, you know, in the US, I don't know if you guys have this in Canada, Amazon came up with these things a couple of years ago. I don't think it was very successful, uh, but it, it kind of set, set the tone where you get this little button with like the Tide logo, like for, for your for your detergent and you stick you it go. to the wall next to the next to the, the washer and dryer. And then when you're out, you press that button and via Wi-Fi, it orders a new one through Amazon. Like that, that concept of simplifying the replenishment uh, for people, it's really, really coming out in this economy. And this is the stuff that I'm, that I'm looking at really hard and trying to figure out how can I do this in the accounting world? Like I'm still trying to figure out, I don't, I don't have the answer, but like you got these toilet paper companies, right? That they do subscriptions. You pay hundred dollars a month or whatever. And they send you so much toilet paper during the toilet paper crisis. It made <laughs> sense crisis. to go there. And then everybody went to, to buy t- these companies. So again, like just introducing different ways to, to, to deliver value to your customers whether you're an accountant or a landscaper or a haircut a profession or whatever, like innovating right now, it's going to be the biggest thing. And then when COVID goes away and we get back to normal, whatever it is, um, there's still going to be a scar. I think most of us are going to have that scar of uh, germophobia and that scar of not being wanting to be around a lot of people or that scar of, ah, this person's brand new. Should I be hugging them? or handshaking them. I think that unfortunately, because I love hugs and handshakes, unfortunately, there's going to be a buffer that we're going to create between new people and new situations. And that, and there's going to be a lot of opportunity for innovation there. 
Um, so I think that's, so that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm, I, I don't have any answers or any great ideas, but that's what I'm looking at. And I'm trying to observe that as much as possible. And I'm using those observations to advise my clients to tell them, I, I, I saw this, I saw that, trying to get people thinking about how that will work for their business. Mm -hmm. So taking a lot of these concepts that basically we've been learning about in cloud accounting, right? Value building, recurring revenue, um, all these concepts and trying to find different ways to apply them to more traditional businesses, which is genius, right? And and that's what I think a lot of people, I think you're not the only one doing this right now because a lot of people have turned to their accountants, right? For help and said, you know, my business, I had a call just the other, the other day um, with a, a client who's also a family friend um, whose business was just completely, completely decimated. And we were scheduled to do a review of his books. How much of that hour do you think we spent going over the books and how much of it did we spend trying to talk through different ideas and concepts and ways that he could pivot and adapt his business? I mean, exactly. it, yeah, it, it certainly, the majority of the time was certainly not spent reviewing the books like it normally would all, all the time was really spent about trying to come up with ways that he can pivot and adapt. Um, what I think is great about this time is that, um, it is forcing people to pivot and adapt at speeds that we haven't seen ever before, right? Like, so we're seeing people obviously adopt cloud technology now faster than ever because a lot of businesses just instantly had to, right? Like, so we saw the, you know, the stock prices of Zoom and Microsoft and Teams and all those shoot up because now everyone who was sort of like, well, I'm not that comfortable with, with Zoom. I don't think I want to do a virtual review meeting. I don't have any clients coming to me right now and saying, I can't do a Zoom meeting with you. I don't know how to do it, right? Like even my like 70 and 80 year old clients are, are somehow managing to figure out this technology that they never wanted to figure out because I'm not the only person they're having Zoom meetings. Grandkids, right? it's the grandkids. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, everybody, like the, mm -hmm. they, there's so many people are using Zoom right now, which has been amazing from my perspective because before we were like the only people that, they were having Zoom meetings with. So we had to sometimes explain to them what Zoom was. Sometimes we had to have pre-calls with some of our bigger clients to show them how to use Zoom so that they could be prepared for a Zoom meeting. That, that headache has gone away. People just know how to Do use that. it and, and are adapting it. Plus people are reaching out. Um, I'm seeing more and more people wanting to move to QBO and Receipt Bank and, um, and Zero and all those cloud platforms. Um, just simply because they want to be up at their cottage or, you know, more nimble. Um, so it's great to see that, that this has forced some change. Um, although the reality is, I mean, it's still, it still sucks, right? Like it's not. I miss it, people. Well, yeah. And it's, I, re I really do. I've realized it recently that, you know, we're living this in this world where, we're supposed to keep keep away from people, and you know how in our in our world we talk about this almost every week, Andrew. We're social creatures, especially in this community, and I just miss people. Well, but, you know, you know what killed me is Hector sent me some pictures of a beautiful beach in, in Florida. No, well, it was well, it wasn't uh, empty. It wasn't it's just busy, Florida, after all. It, it was beautiful, and I was like, I miss being able like the last two summers. I've gone on RV trips down through the states, which we cannot do. Mm -hmm. um so i miss the ability to travel i miss the ability to see my friends and hug people like can you imagine even if we could get a physical event together like uh qbo or no whatever, hugging yeah, no there's not gonna be hugging right like no, social distance is not gonna work especially once the day goes on and into the evening and then it's you know you know how it goes people will break down right like oh I mean, exactly i'm, I'm we'll sure be like, hey hector like what was i mean you must have blended bubbles with other family members now, like, because I know you have such a close knit family that there's no way you haven't blended bubbles with some of your first, some of your closer family members. What was it like the first time you broke down and blended bubbles and like gave your dad a hug or whatever the case might be, or what, whatever it was, what was that like for you to be like, you know what, fuck this shit. I don't care. I need to hug my dad. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough one, particularly because my dad would fit in that group of the high risk, right? Like, you know, he's been, he's been a cancer patient re recently. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, he's overweight. He's, he's got heart conditions. So, um, so, uh, so one of the first things that everybody in my family 
you know, was telling me, hey, you got to protect your dad, you know, so, so a lot of the attitude was around, hey, look, we're not doing this, this just for ourselves, we're doing this for someone else. And, and, and at, at the very, at the very, my dad's a very social creature, like my dad doesn't spend more than three hours in the house, if, if not, he goes crazy, he goes out and goes to different restaurants and different places and meets people. That's his style. He likes talking to people. So at the beginning of this pandemic, it was like everybody freaking out. You know, we were almost like reporting where my dad was. Hey, my dad's here. My dad was there. And then you just, just to call him to give him a guilt trip. So it took a, it took a little bit to kind of tame him and keep him home. And he's been home for, for a while. And then you he put comes- a ball and chain on him or you, you tie him up at night. Uh, dad, you have to stay here. Come my, on, let me go. My, my, my sister who has a who has a newborn uh, uh threatened that he can't see him anymore if he goes out <laughs> so so it, it was it started being a little bit effective to get no but i mean generally speaking yeah. it's just look like you're saying you're trying you're trying you're trying to trying and then at some point you're like dude i i do need i i do need to sit down in the restaurant i do need to uh you know like i haven't like properly hugged my mom since we started like I, we i still hug her but even even she is not sure whether like or not. Hug. Yeah, she, even she's not a hundred percent sure if it's a proper thing to do. Uh, right. It's 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 you know like even wearing masks or whatever. It's just it's a it's a strange time. I gotta tell you, it's really yeah. truly a strange time. But I think one of the things that is important is to to try to. The hardest thing about the pandemic has been trying to understand people, because people are acting different than the way they've acted before. And it's not necessarily because something's wrong with them. It's because they, they don't know how to manage the situation, right? So, so, so I think at this particular time, during these times, we have to be extra patient with people. Just, just, just understand that whatever they're doing could have some weird motivation behind it that you don't understand it. Or maybe they read something you know, that you haven't read yet. And, and there's so much fake news out there about mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't work. But again, you don't know what's going through people's minds. Uh, you don't know their personal experiences. And, and this, has, this has made a lot of people do things that they wouldn't do before. And they themselves are experimenting with their own behavior and their own decisions. So uh, long story short, I think we have to just, 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 we just have to be more patient. Right. And then, Wait, yeah, sorry. I, on that note, Hector, um, this all happened a hundred years ago. This is a once in a hundred year pandemic. And a hundred years ago, there were called mass slackers and they were the same thing. You know, why do we have to wear masks? It, what, what's the conspiracy and the people who didn't wear masks, the same things happened. I think it was uh, Philadelphia just thumbed their nose at the whole concept and they had a horrible situation. St. Louis said, forget it. We got to, we got to follow flattening the curve. So the science was there even a year ago, but it, it went along semi-political lines. Now, luckily for, for them, because that was a pretty deadly pandemic, a lot like you, you could die within 24 hours of showing symptoms um, with the Spanish flu or the Kansas flu, whatever they want to call it. And so, so it was serious stuff, but yet people just kept thumbing their nose at it. But luckily there was no internet back then. So there wasn't, like you've seen the amplification of the misinformation, you know, you got the science on one side and the deniers on the other. And it's just this constant battle of, you know, where's the, you know, you mentioned about people acting strange. I, I couldn't agree more. Like um, Andrew knows this because I've filled him in a few times. I follow the U S political situation. I have for years. I like presidential yeah. elections. Sorry, I gotta interrupt it. Hector, have you heard about his Twitter account? Oh yeah. I was going to, I was leading to that. Um, I'm in Twitter jail, dude. You were in, in YouTube jail for a while there. I've been in Twitter jail for four weeks and they never told me what they did wrong. So they, they took away your account or? It's suspended. I get, it's hilarious though, because I get notifications once in a while. If you were to send out and reply to a, a, a tweet or something I sent out four weeks ago, I'd get notification that it got retweeted or, um, you know, I had reported somebody, you know, a month ago, and, and there's a, a notification saying the report of the person you turned in is available now. So I've been following the U.S. political situation pretty close. And right after um, he got acquitted, 
Um, of course, that was like, yeah, whatever. But he had his State of the Union. I don't know if you remember how how weird that was. He just stood up there and thumbed his nose at the world. And then the next day, there was a prayer breakfast that he was at and Pelosi was at. And he started, started slamming her right in front of everyone instead of praying like everyone else was doing. And something in me just said, screw this. You know, and then I said, I'm going to use my social media influence because I, you know, I have a pretty high influencer score on Twitter. And I, and I went trolling Trump with a whole bunch of other people. And I did this for a while. He was quite successful at it. Yeah, I was, I showed Andrew the stats, you know, we'd go to QuickBooks Connect in San Jose, the granddaddy of them all. And Andrew and I are up there doing all our thing and tweeting. And you look at the metrics and the impressions and I would do you know, 250,000, 300,000 impressions in a month. And most of that was in San Jose or Toronto. In London, we had some good hits there too. I was getting that on one post (laughs) by replying to Trump with a silly picture, a political picture. And I'm not the only one that does it. It's kind of a sport. If you look at any Trump tweet, look at the replies. They're always the same people. And it's hilarious watching how it went. And I watched this. I used to pay attention. Then it became a spectator sport. So Long story short, uh, when Mary Trump's book was coming out, I kind of promoted it <laughs> excessively, I guess, because that's what seemed to push me over the edge. And Twitter's never told me what I've what I've done wrong, but I'm in Twitter jail. They assure me I'm going to get my account back. But I think what the problem is, I don't know if you heard, but there was a massive hack about two weeks ago at Twitter where all these blue checkmark accounts, including Joe Biden and a bunch of other people, they got hacked and they were sending out these links to a Bitcoin scam. So Twitter has been shut down. So I got put in Twitter jail at the worst possible time. I've heard they're slow to respond to these things anyways. So back to when when you had some challenges with YouTube, Hector, you remember we had our free Hector campaign and all that. How long did you have to wait? Free Brad campaign. I was a week. Yeah, it it was a week. Yeah. And I remember that was like, and it was kind of the same thing. They never really explained. Did you ever get an answer? Uh, It was... Look, I went to like a, this small YouTuber conference right after, and I and I spoke to there. There was maybe like thirty-five attendees, and I kind of said it when I introduced myself. I said, "Oh, by the way, I just been shut down with YouTube, uh, and my channel just got enabled today." And then like two or three people approached me and they asked me, hey, "What did you do with this and that?" And and they all had similar situations where they're like, "Look, you 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 got you got shut down by a bot, you know they." You, they, they mistake they, they mistaken you your debits and credits video with some sort of bomb making video and the and, and the computer system you know you probably said boom or something right right, right. <laughs> yeah. and uh and then, and then when someone got a chance to look at it they, they looked at it but Thanks. you know he's like millions and millions of videos get reported every day yeah you know i think so, that's what happened I, i'm pretty yeah. sure i got reported because like if you do get reported they will take action and if enough people report you I think that happens on Twitter because I've had a few cases where I've been temporarily suspended for interesting behavior and I have to prove that I'm a human. And that's when they make you do that. I have two factor on my account. So they'll send you the message to your phone and then you, you do that, but they never gave me that chance. So there is an appeal process. So I read up on it and I, I appealed. So the first time I, I, I appealed, they, they asked me for some things and I was just like, well, when do I get my thing back? or my account back. And that was it. But then I followed up about a week later with another appeal. And it just depends on to the original one. So you'll get notification each time. And the notification the second time said, we see you already had a case open. We'll add this to your case and review it together with your other information. Thank you for using Twitter. Have a nice day. And then I did it one more time and had a heart to heart. It literally said, dear Jack, here's the thing. Okay. Here's why I do it. I use Twitter for business. Um, you know, I'm pretty good with it and I have been for a long time. You know, if anyone can check my ID and my history, it's you guys. Can I have my account back? And I get it. You know, you're busy and I'll just wait. <laughs> so it'll happen one day where it'll just be it'll, there. It'll come back up eventually. But it's start, been a month. It's killing me. Start building a new one in the meantime. Well, I, I shouldn't admit because that's against their terms of service, but I actually use oh. an account that I set up around the same time. So it's dated like 2012. It's got, uh, you know, I never used it. So one, one thing, one thing I'll tell you that I learned from it is that um, you can't depend on one platform. And that, yes. that's probably the biggest yes. thing. Yeah. So, so I wasn't on, on Facebook at all uh, before, you know, I was, you know, maybe, maybe just in the, in the, in the groups, 
by answering QuickBooks questions or whatever in the groups, but I wasn't creating content and getting followers or friends, right, in, in, in Facebook. So that's when I started to do some Facebook content just in case YouTube does shut me down again. I, I got another another avenue in which I can communicate with uh, with people. So that was the lesson I drew from that. The other thing I tell you is, in 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 some cases I choose to get political just because just because the situation gets so ridiculous that you're like, dude, I, I gotta say something, you know, like yeah. with the whole Goya beans thing. It's like dude, <laughs> I saw your post. It's like that was funny. I, I, I gotta say something, you know, like you said, yeah. But but then the problem is that that. that I, I, Sorry, I missed this one. It went over my head. Oh, it was, uh, they were pro actively promoting a product right in the Oval Office. Like Trump's sitting there with all these products because the guy, uh, this, uh, the owner of the business was saying the what CEO. a great guy Trump is. And so they started promoting his stuff. Got up there, right? she's holding it. She's all dressed up, holding a can of beans and memes went galore. Right. So. My, my, well, my, my post was was out of all the crazy things I, I was that has happened. But this yours year. was normal, right? No way. But the, com the the problem is the comments, right? The problem is the comments that come after yeah. because because like n nowadays no one can really look at a situation objectively. They always have they have to look at it through the political eye of mm -hmm. is this my guy or not my guy? Okay, they're attacking my guy. There, therefore, if you're attacking my guy. I should attack you. And that's really the problem that we're having with uh, with politics. And I wonder if this has always been that way. We just never really paid attention to it. We're paying more attention to it now or I'm not I'm not seeing it. I'm part of my little hobby here and I've got more time on my hands since I can't go on to Twitter and, and mess around with the president. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts and they've been talking about how the last couple of years and they used George Bush uh, or W. Bush as an example. And I remember what I felt about W. I thought he was a, a blithering idiot sometimes. You know, it's just he didn't seem to be the brightest president. But now he seems like Einstein, you know, and he's a good guy. And he showed up to John Lewis's funeral the other day and he, he shows a lot of class and he's good friends with the other sitting presidents. You know, he seems like a normal guy. And back then, um, this this podcast was saying back then you, you went to head on ideology, but you could still be friends. So in, in Congress and in the Senate, people actually were more willing to work together. Now it's become so polarized down there that people are just like, forget it. It's black or white. Pick one or the other. And you know, you have a virtual background on, right? Yeah, <laughs> he does. And and you're muted. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're a rookie at the zoo thing. You guys checking his butt. What's with yeah. that? Yeah, you know, you know how it is. Where's the little <laughs> caption? <laughs> it's like, ooh, Hector, and she's going. What? Yeah, no, we gotta get it. We gotta turn that into a meme. I, I'm like, can and we get a screenshot? I have to put the virtual background of a guy checking my butt to change the conversation oh. from politics. Yeah, let's, I, was, let's, I agree. So, yeah, anyways, yeah, um, just one last note. You said change platforms. I don't know if you've heard of Parler. It's spelled like P-A-R-L-E-R. -E it's an alternative to Twitter. And their claim to fame is no censorship ever, 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 ever. You can say That's what you want. So when you log in, the first thing they ask you is, here's some suggested people you should follow. And it's like the entire mega all-star lineup, except for Trump. He's the only one that isn't over there. But all the people that want to commiserate are over there yelling and screaming and it's so I'm not I don't think I'd be very welcome there I don't think I'd last very long so. well, well, see we can, I want to pivot from politics but I do want to talk about the concept of free speech in general mm -hmm. I, I don't think that these platforms Facebook Twitter whatever should be uh, fact checking anyone uh, that the, you, you have to allow crazy people to be crazy you can't just <laughs> shut them especially if it's just with their voice right because that would be the equivalent of a police officer arresting or or putting a gag on a crazy homeless person that's yelling the end is coming right so i think i think part of part of having freedom of speech is letting people say whatever they're going to say even if it's misinformation because technically everything is misinformation until proven correctly even even the science on covid now whatever whatever the science is that we have could prove to be misinformation if something else turns out to be uh, the truth behind the virus or whatever. Although, of course, I'm going to follow 
the the science. I'm gonna follow the experts. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust it because otherwise I would just go crazy with conspiracy theories. But you should <laughs> always should always follow the science, but at the same time, sort of remain open to that some new truth could come out and something that no one was expecting ended up being the truth. You know, you know what I mean? So that's just be a little bit like one of the things is like, for example, I believe that you should wear a mask. Yeah, that that just just visually speaking, you if sneeze and snot comes out of your mouth and it gets stopped by the mask, that should be enough appeal to say, okay, that will protect each other from that, right? So like I don't know the the microbe at the microbic level if the masks work or not, but at least visually I could I I, I could understand and process in my mind that if you got something in your mouth and it it crosses over to my face i could i could get infected whatever it is so it shouldn't be that that difficult of a leap to make but like to to tell anyone that wearing a mask not wearing a mask is stupid period and then it turns out in some future that masks weren't effective at all and the virus really is transferred in some other way and it wasn't the mask at all then who looks stupid is the ones that you know took a position without being open to something that could change so the reality mass shaming is terrible all i'm saying is the reality is there's more about the virus that we don't know Mm -hmm. than the stuff that we know just like everything in life you know there's a lot more out there that we don't know than what we know so you you could say you could i think we should all say our point look our my my point my point of view is this and that and because of that i think you should do this and if they disagree with you then you just gotta move on and and, and you know, don't 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 try to mass shame someone or make them feel stupid or whatever. You can just say, "Look, I don't want to make you feel stupid, but you're not allowed in my house, right?" And, and yeah. you could do that. You know, yeah, everyone has. You can set your boundaries, and I think it's fair that everyone reserves the right. Just don't trample on somebody else. Now, you brought up a great point there, Hector. Right at the uh, talking about um, freedom of speech, that's a huge topic right now because Twitter is private property, and so is Facebook. It's not public. It's not, like First Amendment doesn't cover these platforms. So that's a challenge. All regulators are starting to say, but wait a minute, you know, you guys have a virtual monopoly we're, on we're a message. We're going down the again. We're, and, <laughs> no, but there's a, there's, you can, it, no, but it's like the platforms themselves, they were just up in front of Congress last week. Uh, Zuckerberg, uh, Dorsey wasn't invited. He's too small. There was Google, there was Apple. And who am I missing? Um, anyways, there's a real concern that the monopoly power of social media is causing societal problems because they're basically deciding what the message is going to be. So where is that fine line? Like it's a, it's a big topic. Like there's, Oh, it was Amazon was the last one. There's real pro, um, a push to break up some monopolies. Like Amazon is looking like they're and Google is the other one that uh, regulators are worried about because there is this concentration and you decide what people are going to see and hear. And, and, and that's, they're worried about that because sometimes freedom of speech is being suppressed. Other times it's not. And it, and it all comes down to the bias of the platform. The, The place where I disagree is you, you, you see all these people with all this crazy information and you're like, where did you get that? I, I don't, I don't see that. I don't think that the five media platforms that are that are suppressing, you know, the alternative uh, narrative or whatever, um, are are strong enough to completely 100% suppress it. I think people will find the information. Period. Um, so I guess we can end, end it like that. Let's agree that 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 everybody should be able to say whatever they want or they feel and, and, and allow the truth to come along and prove one side wrong and one side. Right. Right. But that, well, I think, so that's time will tell, right? Yeah. I got a good question for you, Hector. I wanted to know how you've pivoted your physical training that you used to do. Like, I remember you just not, you just moved into this brand new office right before COVID um, that was all set up to do physical in-person training. Have you been able to pivot that? Do you, you no, webinar? Not, not not effectively. So, so we had. So, I'll, I I strongly believe in in person classes, in person training. I, I believe on the on the power of sitting next to a peer and and kind of like 
the battle scars of taking a class and hating the teacher together and doing the homework and going through the exercises and getting some of it wrong. Like I, I, I've, I love my college years and I remember that part of it and I, and I've, and I miss that. Like I miss the camaraderie of, of, of being in class with the teacher, trying to pass a class, that sort of concepts. So because of that, we, we strongly believe in teaching in, in person classes and we, and we in, invested a lot in, in our classroom. And literally, we got the CO, the certificate of occupancy from the city after we did this big construction project on March 12th. And then on March 14th, we sent everybody home and we shut down the office and it's been closed ever since. So we have not uh, taught a live class since. It's been a big bummer for us because that was a batch of, 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 of joy and pride that we took. We were teaching classes in English and Spanish. I was teaching. My partner, Alex, was teaching. It was, it was a big differentiator in the market. Um, we've gotten so busy with all the work that we've been doing, tax work and this really long tax season and PPP stuff that we really haven't had a financial need to have to teach the classes and replace the classes that we, they were teaching in person. However, however, I have done a lot more training online uh, I, I've, I launched a webinar series that is, that I've, I've never charged this much for it. That is a $500 webinar series for eight episodes and it's all Zoom based and it's eight weeks worth and it's around QuickBooks enterprise um, uh, manufacturing. So in one way, shape or form, I have not pivoted, but I have uh, increased, increased the number of offerings in, a, in an online uh, training environment. And, and, and a lot of customers too, like they, they want that in-person training, but, but they understand, right? They understand that, that the trainer doesn't wanna go. Like we used to do on-site a lot. Like we get in our car, drive to our clients in Miami, get six people in a, in a conference room and teach everybody how to use QuickBooks and have this big powwow around, you know, internal rules or how, you know, invoices you get approved or whatever. And it was all really an amazing experience. It doesn't, that doesn't happen uh, virtually as much. Like we, we, we try to do it, but it's just, it's just not the same. So uh, to the extent that we can offer some of that online, we certainly do. I'm, I'm still a big propon proponent of uh, training as, as, a, as, a, as a business model. Uh, what a lot of my colleagues uh, don't understand is that when you do a tax return, when you do accounting or whatever, a big part of it is you're educating the client. Like people think, a lot of bookkeepers think that bookkeeping is number punching or whatever, but that might be 20% of your work. 80% of the value is you communicating to the client what they did and them understanding from your perspective what they did and what it means. So a lot of the stuff that we do, it's one way, shape or form is education, right? We're educating people indirectly or directly. And, and I think the challenge that a lot of folks have is that they fail to see that part of their business is education and they don't, and they don't, see, they don't see that part and they don't charge enough for it. So they end up doing the work, you know, they, they end up doing a great, they, they end up being a great pair of hands, but they forget that, that knowledge transfer, it's a really valuable piece and, and they don't bring it out into the open and let the client know, hey, this is gonna be the value uh, proposition, we're going to transfer knowledge to you. And that transfer of knowledge is understanding your numbers, understanding tax, understanding what you can or cannot do, understand what you did. And also we're understanding what you did. And just through that conversation, we understand it better. Many clients, uh, they do transactions, they, they buy something and they don't really understand what they bought until they try to explain it to you. And then once they explain it to you, they go, I don't think I need that. And you're like, well, I, I guess, I guess you're right. Uh, maybe I should stop paying for that or whatever. So, so a lot of, a lot of the value in our work is knowledge transfer, right? Would you um, consider knowledge transfer to be a form of advisory? Yeah, no, no of, of course. I think, I think the problem with the word advisory is just trying to give a, a snazzy label to, to, to what we do. And, and when, once you give something a label, you have to then add a description and then you have to explain what it is. So a lot of the stuff that we do is advisory, it's, it's, it's built in. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, 
my landscaper does advisory for me, right? When I say, hey, can you, can you replace this patch of grass? And they stop and say, I can do it, but you have the shade here. So because of that, I have to move the sprinkler. Would you like me to move the sprinkler? And, and, and most of the time, people think that they're just selling you a sprinkler and they're not. They're educating you on how the sun and this water interacts with the grass. And therefore, they're giving you the choice to take action on this new knowledge that you have. So and the main opportunity is to charge for that. Right. The, 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 opportunity is to, the opportunity is to give that a label, right? Yeah. And, and, and that, a value. That, right. Give that a label. Well, okay. So there's two, two, two different pieces. You know, one is charging for it or giving it a separate price. Uh, the other one is giving it a label so people identify it as a thing. Because yeah. what, what I'm saying is on this education knowledge transfer, I'm saying because we don't give it a label, because we don't tell our clients that part of the experience is you're going to be learning a lot from us at the same time that we're learning from you, because we didn't give it a label, then it makes it difficult for us to identify it as a value proposition, which makes it even more difficult to charge for it. And by the way, you don't have to charge for all the advisory that you give. It could be baked into the cake. But the problem is if you don't point it out, if you don't give it a label, if you don't shine a light on it, people may not be noticing it's happening and they may not be adding it to their calculation of value that you, that you provide. So when a competitor comes along and offers just the work, just a pair of hands, you know, as a replacement for a lower price, and because you never really pointed out the value that you, that you, that you bring because you didn't shine a light on it, then it, does, it, it doesn't get factored in the, in the equation. So absolutely, knowledge transfer is a form of advisory. And I guess the big, the big question is, do you want to give it that, that label? Do you want to give it a different label? Or do you want to simply just uh, shine a light on it? Like, for example, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to build a pool in my house, right? But, um, and I, I tell my landscaper guy who doesn't build pools, and I say, hey, I want to build a pool. He's like, okay, I'm going to send you the pool guy. I'm like, no, no, no. I want you to come to my house and I want you to tell me how you visualize my yard interacting with the pool, right? And then after you do that, I want you to draw what you think would be the ideal pool. And then I'll go talk to the pool guy, right? Because my nice. landscaping guy fails to see that I value that a lot, right? And I had to tell him, I had to tell him. So if he somehow come back to me or come, go to his clients and say, by the way, we are the, the, we are the managers of your backyard, right? We're not just the landscaper, we're the managers of the backyard. Anything that has to do with it, run it through us and we will give you whatever advice within, again, he doesn't know how deep a pool can go. He doesn't know, you know, whether you can, you, you know, you can have a pool of a certain size. But what he knows is that that tree over there during a certain time of the year has these little leaves that are really annoying to clean on the pool. Therefore, you should have this special cleaning system in your pool. So these are the little things that we tend not to see because people don't shine a light on it. And sometimes that's all you have to do is just point out that you can do that. Yeah, and the synergies that would be created by him finding a, an amazing pool guy that he worked with. So that when he has a customer who goes, I need a pool. Well, I've got this great guy that we work with and we've got this great synergy where we build this whole plan for you together it would become this value added package that other people aren't doing that other landscapers aren't doing another differentiator just by synergizing and working with and recognizing the value of looking at the whole picture, which is sometimes as accountants, we're guilty of, we look at whether or, or bookkeepers too, right? We're looking at the bookkeeping. We're looking at the accounting. We're not looking enough at the big picture and saying the value is oftentimes in connecting those two pieces, the exactly. book to the accounting, the accounting to the advisory, the whole things, the, the, the accounting to the financial planning. And you don't necessarily have to be the one to do all the heavy lifting on that. Maybe it's simple as bringing in a great partner who you can synergize with that you can have a great working experience with. And that synergy between you and that accountant or you and that bookkeeper becomes a value add because you have that established relationship where you know it's going to work better than a random bookkeeper working with a random accountant. And that becomes another value add that the clients are going to appreciate because now you have this holistic picture and you're looking at everything you're providing. Like Hector says, the analogy of the gardener who's saying, 
well, don't just look at that pool, look at the tree that's over the pool yeah. and the implications that th that's going to have. And that by the gardener and, and the pool guy working together, you end up with a better property overall. And I think as accountants, we need to do a better job of working yeah. with our bookkeepers, working with our financial advisors, because that gap between those, those different layers of communication is oftentimes where a huge amount of value um, goes underutilized. And, and Hector, you brought up a great point there where you were saying that, you know, you've got your landscape guy and you want him to make recommendations because he knows what makes you tick already. He, he knows your property and he also, he's, he's a bit of an artist, right? Landscapers, I mean, good landscaping is worth its weight in gold. I mean, they're, they're amazing. So they've got that artistic angle. And if you're saying, yeah, I want the perfect pool for this, then that sort of opens up a whole new avenue even for him because at that point, you know, he, he knows what you value and he can really bring the best solution for you because not only is he thinking pool, but he's thinking, oh, maybe you need a cabana over there and maybe we should do this over there. There's actually something in it for him too, right? By, by adding that extra value. So I never really thought of that because up here, we don't have a lot of pools. It's, we skate right, on, I mean, on them. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then to bring the example into the accounting profession, right? So, um, so you, you said the example of an account a bookkeeper working with a CPA, that's a good one. But sometimes we don't think about simple things like, you know, the accountant and the banker, like right now I've done so many bank loans for some of our clients, my clients that worked with my banker, that, that experience was so seamless to the client because the, the banker themselves already kind of trust that I, I have the client's best interest. The client already knows that I have their best interest. So a lot of these things that normally would be a, this bureaucracy step when you go, well, let me ask, okay, let me ask them, let me ask him, let me ask them. So because of that relationship, things move um, a lot a lot quicker. And this reminds me of a book called The Speed of Trust. I don't know if you guys have, have, have read it. Um, it's by Stephen Covey, the son of uh, Stephen Covey, the, 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 the person that wrote The Seven Habits, Habits of Highly Effective. Yeah, so his son, uh, wrote a book called The Speed of Trust. And, and long story short, the book says, the book brings out a point that trust speeds up everything, right? So think of the TSA line, the TSA, the TSA in US is the security officers in the, air, in the airport, right? So the TSA line prior to September 11 used to move really, really fast. Uh, after September 11, it takes a lot longer. They do a lot more checks. Why? Because there's not that much trust on what these passengers are getting on the planes are. So the trust enables uh, the speed of transactions. And in today's world, when we're competing with computers, when we're competing with, we're, we're competing with apps, we're competing with software companies that want to get into our space, the, the only thing that we have is the speed that in which we like we're small and nimble enough that we can move a lot faster than the big companies or this new apps or this new well bottom line you you will never be be able to beat uh ai with speed right impossible right you, you cannot beat a computer with speed however for a computer to understand your needs they have to ask you a hundred questions right for me to understand you there's so many subtleties in our relationship already that i don't need to ask you a hundred questions. I can just hear in the inflection of your voice, how you're feeling at the moment, what I know about your business and your one question, I can read between the lines and understand exactly what you're looking for. So computers could do this once they collected enough data and, and even their data is limited to just like data points. Uh, you know, with humans and relationships, most of that data is sort of already in this implicit database uh, called the relationship and trust. And that's the stuff that when we exploit, we can move much faster than anyone else. And that's the point uh, that, you, that, that we want to make is, you know, when it comes to giving advice or bring, bringing value to advice, is that relationship and that trust that just speeds everything up and makes everything faster. And that really is going to be the only thing that stands between us and, and the customer when we're competing against machines and AI and all that stuff. Now, the one thing I, I want to say is, you know, I, I know we're, we're constantly comparing ourselves to machines and not being able to keep up. You know what the one thing is, if you actually look at the human mind, the human mind is actually quite incredible. And it can actually work as fast as a machine. Think about the concept of hitting a baseball. 
right? You guys both played baseball at some point or another, I'm sure. Hey, you just said you don't do sports, Andrew. No, this I play sports. I just don't watch a lot of sports. <laughs> okay. But I played a lot of sports as kids. I mean, think about the computations that your mind is going through to hit a curveball. You know, understanding trajectory, speed, moving your bond. Like your mind actually thinks at least as fast, if not faster than many computers, but at a subconscious level, not at a conscious yeah. level. We're just not able to get words out and, and speak and communicate as fast as a computer can do it. But our mind is actually doing millions of computations a second that we just don't comprehend. And we have instinct. Computers don't have instinct, right? Well, instinct Intuition and instinct. Yeah. So. We, 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 that... that same thing with um, with conversation, right? Like, like a super AI computer, Watson, can take all your words at face value and compute them, but can they really understand, you know, what's going on with your eyes, your nostrils, body language, your and, your, your, yeah. your breathing, your proximity, your reaction to when you speak. When 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 you when, when you speak to some one thing that sometimes we forget when you speak to someone usually, especially in person or in a Zoom call, that person is reacting. Like that reaction could be widening the eyes. It could be, it could be looking down, right? Because maybe you're looking at something else because you're bored of what the person is saying, or maybe you're, you're nodding your head yes, or maybe you're kind of standing back, recoiling because you want to answer something, but you want to wait for that person to finish, to finish your thought, or you're doing this thing with your finger, or you're trying to like interject. So all these things that happen, computers can't can't catch or, or it's going to yeah, take a nuance it's, right? it's the that nuance is, it's those subtleties that humanity right. that and, yeah and, i agree and and that's the stuff that that we need to learn how to savor and appreciate like that's the value right that's the where the value is because think of how many times you hear people at the conferences going throw apps at the problem that'll solve it it doesn't you have to understand from a human point of view what your client is really thinking and what they really value i i did a receipt bank pitch for new client this week and he's just like he pauses and he says brad i'm old school i like paper i don't give a shit about all that <laughs> and i was like okay it was worth a try but you know at that point you just know that the, the pitch is over and he doesn't want to use receipt bank that's his it's his right and getting to know him a bit receipt bank doesn't fit him so it's so it's nice to be able to make that sort of decision based on just knowing this individual it's just not interested. You know what? It, this still boggles my mind. I mean, obviously we're embedded in this industry. So we know so much about the power of what these tools can be, but there are still so many people who are adverse to mm -hmm. like snapping a picture of the receipt with a cell phone. It's not a complicated thing to do. It's not like it's going to take you a lot of time, but there is like, I get, I still get a lot of kickback on receipt bank. We offer receipt bank for free to a hundred percent of our clients. We do not have anywhere near 100% adoption. And it boggles my mind. I'm like, I just, I'm like, why wouldn't you use it? I'm a paper guy. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. You've got a system here that I can guarantee you is going to help you stand up better in an audit, is going to most likely get you more oh, deductions. So many advantages. Really, I mean, we had an issue, like we have, um, we have Ikea cupboards in our, in our kitchen. And my wife's like, they got a 25-year warranty. I'm, I'm going to get me a new cupboard because this one's cracked. It's got a 25-year warranty. And she went back to look for the receipt, which is like five or six years old. Rice paper or whatever that micro paper is. You think that receipt is legible? Because it was pre-receipt it was pre -receipt bag for me, right? Like people just don't understand the value of this. And they're like, ah, I'm old school. I'm paper. Like, is that a battle worth fighting with clients? Like, I kind of like, like, you're it's not, stupid. It's not. not. Look, we spent a lot of time talking about politics and we're not going to circle back to it. But 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 the point the point that we're making is that people have their own perspectives of what's logical to them in their mind. Right. From a political standpoint, it happens. But but without throwing politics in the mix, everybody's personal experience, circumstances, childhood, um, you know, relationship with their kids, relationship with their wife, relationship with the government, right? So everybody's, uh, you know, bias, personal bias. Yeah, everybody will have that bias. Yeah. And, and, and coming in, coming in, you might explain something that seems totally logical. And, and to that person, it's just, it doesn't seem as logical. And it's not, they're not less smart than you or more smart than you. It's a different. Yes, they point. are. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a good. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good idea to, to have, uh, Andrew. No, but I mean, what I was saying, we might have. To, if Michael was here, he would. He would. He would give you a lesson on 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 humility. But yeah. but I, I think that sometimes we need to, and not think of it that we need to like go down to their level because even that by itself is a little bit condescending. What I'm saying is that we need to get off our cloud. You know. We need to get off our high horse and think that the logic that we have, it's logical to everyone. And ours, granted, ours is backed up by tax law and is backed up by 15 years of a, 20 years of accounting experience. And is backed up by dealing with other people with money and having firsthand experience with money and having the collegial degrees to prove that you know and understand uh, the science of money. Like e even with all that, to, to someone else, it just might not be that important. And maybe you might want to choose. I don't want clients that are not at that same intellectual level that won't connect with what I think is logical as well. And that's a decision that you can make. But getting frustrated about that or, or spending too much time trying to change that person's mind, it, it, it's just probably going to be a, a mood exercise and it's just going to yeah. have all negative implications. So you either learn how to not press on an issue that you don't need to press on or tell the client, look, uh, it, this is not going to work because the clients that I work with, you know, understand this or, or agree with me on this. And because of that, it fits my business model. Cause I could understand how someone that has implemented, um, uh, receipt bank, right. It, it, it doesn't work for the business model to have 98 clients using receipt back and two of them sending a box of receipts, right? It doesn't work for them because you threw away your scanner because you're not even doing scanners anymore. People are sending you digital documents. So it, as a business model, you can choose not to take a client that won't embrace a particular technology or process that you want. You can choose that. Uh, but if you are going to take the client anyway, then why, why waste your time, uh, you know, giving yourself a, a hard time about it and giving the client a hard time about it. Just, just say, I understand that let's move on to what matters to them. And if it doesn't fit, move on to a client that fits. But we, I think we spend way too much time, you know, putting people down because they don't, they don't see the same thing that we do. Well, it's, it's called empathy, right? So what the, 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 accounting or otherwise. I think what it is, is I'm like, I think this, there, there's a gap in knowledge transfer. People aren't understanding the value and I'm, because I think that we have an we have an obligation to educate. Like we're we're not forcing people down paths. I don't force people down paths. Ultimately, whatever you choose is the choice that you make. But we obviously have an obligation to educate them on what we think are best practices, right? I think we all agree that that's that's our job as accountants. We we, we don't. So you may think you have an obligation, but the the client may not uh, may may not see you as a person that I hired to teach me something. So so that's that's the that's the problem that we might have where we have the obligation to make sure our client knows all the apps and technologies available out there so they're not wasting time moving the little piece of paper around the office look look i work with so many offices that have this proverbial paper that moves around right like hector you don't understand this paper needs to go from this desk to that desk and then this person stamps it and then it needs to go to this desk because this person puts a clip on it and then it needs to go to that desk because this person looks at it and feels good about it and passes it to the next person and then the transaction is complete. And, and I spent I spend at the, at the earlier years so much time just making fun of the damn paper that's moving around yeah. and, and instead of focusing on, okay, you know what? Let's leave the paper alone, right? And let's let's look at the stuff that I could do for you now. But that's the reality. People are stuck in, in one way of doing things and that's from their perspective is the only thing that works. Just like with you, Andrew, from your perspective, not using receipt bank is stupid, right? So So somebody can have the same perspective on the opposite side where you see receipt bank is yeah. stupid. You know what I mean? Just, it's or just wrong. <laughs> or, or wrong. <laughs> happens, happens with people that want to, that don't want to go to the cloud happens with people that don't yeah. want to use online banking happens with people that like I had this person that we were, we were going to do a, a the, the government loan to get free money. Right. And, and we went into a website and they, they had to put the social security number. And she's like, I'm not giving that company the social, my social security number. I said, lady, they're giving you free money from the government. You have to give them your social yeah. security number. No, I'm not doing it. I'm like, okay, no free yeah. money from the government. Okay, yeah. I won't. 
you know, I was like, okay, so what, what the heck with this conversation? What was the point of this meeting in the first place? You know, but again, we, we don't know. Right. So someone gave the social security before in some other circumstances, yeah, she might've been ripped off. And and she got ripped yeah. off and she's like, you know what? After something, there's $10,000 from the government or whatever. It's not worth what, what implication of me putting that my social security number in that black hole means. Right. So and sometimes we just have to, Try to understand. I think that's all it is. Try to understand. Empathy. Yeah. Empathy. I, I think that's a good note to end it on because surprise, surprise, we've had another. We've come Hector, Hector. I hope we, we can, can get you back week. another week. You know, we Every got week. We need to have um, at some point uh, a get you and Michael back so Michael can teach me some humility and get all three of us back for another episode. And I'll just sit in the back and like stuff and yeah. let you guys go to town yeah. because obviously when you guys started it, I was your biggest fan. And it's great to have you back, Hector. It's good to see you and hear yep. from you. And I know a lot of people out there have been asking, where's Hector? Where's Hector? Well, there he is in the flesh. Yep. Um, so thanks, man. And next week, um, Andrew, I'll announce we have uh, Chris Fudge from Internet our Internet Canada. Into it Canada. Um, also known as Jean-Luc Picard. If you've ever been to a conference in Canada, you know where we're coming from. He's a riot, great guy, knowledgeable, understands the whole thing. And uh, yeah, Should be Hector, a great episode. thank you. And maybe we can convince Hector to come and join us for that too, but no promises. Hector, stick around. We'll, we'll chat some more on the after show. And thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next Friday. Bye for now. Good night, everyone. Bye. Have a good weekend.